During the COVID epidemic, we're dipping into the Q&A archives. In this episode, you'll meet a remarkable young man named Luel Mayan, who grew up in a South Sudanese refugee camp and taught himself how to code video games. You'll hear about the struggles of refugee life and about his commitment to using video games to promote peace and conflict resolution. Mayan, what we're looking at is a video game that you've produced with the title Salam. What's the premise of this game? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, Salam is uh, an Arabic word that means peace. Uh, the purpose of the game is that um, in my journey and also like in the, in the game industry, I realized that video games are a very powerful tool you know, to bring communities together and also to, like, to, to create empathy and to help people understand the world you know, the world crisis. And um, when I credit Salam, there's a lot of people, like, they don't understand who refugees are and what actually it takes them to become refugees. So this is a high-tension runner game that helps people to understand the journey of a refugee. So you take a, a refugee from a world country to a peaceful environment. And also, like, in the game, we do not, like, <clears throat> we do not identify which one is a peaceful environment. It's not a country, but it's a place for you where you can have a, 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 you know, have a place of peace, a place of refuge, a place where you can have like a peace of mind. And the, the most important thing is that in the game, you take a character from a war country, from a place where they have no, like there's a lot of hardship on the way, the journey, because a lot of people don't understand what the journey is to become a refugee. So you have to like feed them food, you have to give them water, you have to give them medicine on the hardship for you to win the game, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> who do you hope will play your game? Uh, because uh, the video game industry is an industry that is actually defined by people that love to play games. People that actually take decisions to be able to say, hey, I want to play this game because of this. And when I start making Salam, it, it, it's to create awareness to all the people in the world. It doesn't have like a limitation as long as you really understand um, what it means to be a refugee. Like, high school student can play the game, anybody can play the game, as long as you really understand and love the game. How do people access it? Uh, so we are, it's coming in, in the summer 2020, and it's going to be on Instant Game. Instant Game is a platform where you play the game instantly without using... Uh, you can use a computer, you can use your phone, you just play instantly. So I'm really so excited. And uh, it's a platform that has over 700 million players right now. So we're really excited to be able to publish our game there. Well, you're using stats. We have some yeah. stats that we have about the video game yeah, industry. industry yeah. And uh, they're, they're big numbers. Yeah, so first of all, they're uh, estimated that 2.5 billion gamers yeah, around the world, 2.5 billion. Yeah. In the United States, 164 million. Million, that's out of a population of 330. <laughs> yeah. uh, the global video game revenue in 2018, $139 billion. And 72% of people, at least in this country, are using their mobile phones yeah. in order to access it. Mm -hmm. That's a huge market uh, that you're tapping into. How do you make your way in an industry that's, that is that yeah, large? Uh, exactly with that. And that was my biggest fear, actually, when I started making video game and also taking... Uh, taking a different path of like making game for peace and conflict resolution, making game for social impact. And 
And when I started this journey was, I wanted to create something in the industry. That was my main focus. I did not care whether it's, it's going to really take me to where I am today, but my main focus was I wanted to create something different in the game because this is an industry that grow every day. And it's an industry like we have young people that play the game. And the most important thing about the industry is that it's not like a movie, movie industry. When people play games, you make decisions. There's that emphasis. It's not like sitting on your couch and, and watch a movie. When you play a game, you make decisions. And one of the examples I always tell people is that when, when, when you play a game with your friend and your friend, like, kill your character, you don't tell your friend that, why did you kill my character? You, you react like, why did you kill me? Because it become part of you. And this is an industry that is really bringing people together. And we can use the same industry to, like, tell people about the crisis in the world because games are amazing. People can make decisions. People, it, it's part of empathy. So I feel like... For me to find myself in the industry like this, um, when I won the Global Gaming Citizen like in 2018, was because the industry had to like create something new, which which actually recognized people that are using the power of games to bring about positive change in our communities. Because this is something that is needed. This is something a lot of people talk every day, like, hey, games are not good. Games are you know promote violence. Game, but we can use this medium as a tool of change. And it's just not change in terms of playing the game, but like a different kind of change. When you look at my game, Salam, it's a game actually that it's going to be like the first game that breaks the virtual world and the reality on the ground. And the, what I mean by that is that when actually a player buys food in the game for your character to survive, and when you buy water in the game for your character to like to drink and survive and, 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 and run over like the, the long distance for them to reach to their final destination, you're actually buying somebody in a refugee camp food, you're buying somebody in a refugee camp medicine, you're buying somebody in a refugee camp water using in-app purchases. So it's not just like playing the game, it's, it's more than that, it, it's helping the world. Helping and, people. You know, yeah. So uh, <coughs> you, you yeah. rightly mentioned how critical people are yeah. who don't play games yeah, of so their yeah. negative power, yeah, power yeah. and the, it seems to be action and violence that attracts gamers yeah, to yeah. games. How yeah. do you hope to attract the attention of people to play the game when you don't have so much violence, when you don't have anger in it? What will bring people to your game? Uh, first of all, the story of the game. Uh, the story of the game, you know, when we are designing a game, you really need to have, like, what is your mission? What is your purpose of the game? And where you target target audience? And as I mentioned before, like, we are a community defined by people who love to play a game. And when you're designing the game, first of all, it, it, even if it's not a violence game, but as a person, it's like a role-playing game whereby you know the story and what is your purpose in playing the game. So the stories are really very important in every game. Because like it's the best way of storytelling. When when someone like when a kid like play the game and they know, they really understand like hey, what I want to learn today is to play a game about refugees to see what what are some of the difficulties refugees go through and what can I be able to play? What role can I be able to play as a player to be able to be part of that to be able to like um, get them from their war country to a peaceful environment? And one of the things people really don't understand is that even in in political world, even in everywhere, we make decisions on refugees because we don't really understand who they are. Some people meet me today and they say, were you a refugee? Oh, you feel like, and you, you program, and you like, like, and I, yeah, I was a refugee, but what they don't understand was the journey that I went through for, for, me, for me to become a refugee. So the game is because it's a story of like, 
making people aware of the thing that a refugee go through and someone can play today and in the next 10 years they're going to be in power in the next 20 years they're going to be in power and when they're making decision the game might help them to really understand what the journey of a refugee is so it's more getting information and also like the story of the game uh, when I've heard about your game, it's not yeah. only the refugee experience, yes, but also yeah. how to solve problems without conflict. Conflict, yeah. Yeah, how, how do you approach conflict resolution in the game? So the game, like, uh, we have a, a design part of it whereby things pop up in the game. For example, how do you resolve this conflict? Like, for example, it, it would be a question, and, and the, the question would be asking you, like, uh, which country do you think is going through a conflict? And then you can choose, and you say, like, what, I, what role can you be able to to do as a person to be able to resolve that conflict. So it, it, it brings somebody into understanding of like, what role can they play? What role, because people think about conflict as like maybe South Sudan is going through a conflict, Yemen is going through a conflict, but like what are some of the things can we do as individual to be able to like understand conflict resolution? And that's why like we are really partnering with some universities to do research and see like how we can utilize the, the games to be able to bring people on the table and play the games. Are you a real pioneer in this area of games for good or is there a thriving community of people who are thinking about this? There is there is a big community in the in uh, in the in the game for good so sometimes we call them serious game there's there's a big community and uh, and we really want to make sure like the community is like getting there because we have different kind like we have game for good like action game there's like role-playing games but as game for good they we are not like really huge in the industry we're kind of like coming up because we the other part of it is that most of the game that are like is one of the questions people ask me sometimes is like game for good and make money in game for good like uh, you need to like go and seek funding and that's why like as as a as a company I had to come up with a company which is like a business company to make sure that we're making game for good and we're also able to sustain the the company to make more games so it's it's like the business part of it is actually how it's not making us to thrive a lot as 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 the game for good community well yeah. you have <coughs> quite a path from yeah. running your company yeah. <laughs> um, to your beginning so I want to yeah. spend some time and have you tell your story to yeah, our, our thank listeners you. Thank you. So, where were you born? So, I was born between uh, a place called Ashwa. It's um, it's 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 a border between South Sudan and and Uganda. So, but it's on the side of South Sudan. Actually, that's when I was born. Uh, so, my parents had to flee the country uh, because of the war. They fled South Sudan. They fled South Sudan more than two hundred and fifty miles to to northern Uganda, and <clears throat> and when they flee the country. It was so hard when my mother was telling me I had uh, four uh, four siblings during that time, and during the war I lost two of my sisters because it was not easy. There was <coughs> sorry, <coughs> can I take a break? Mm-hmm. So why don't you start with during the war it yeah, was yeah, not yeah, easy? Yeah, that. help yourself. Okay, back. Uh, I feel better now. <laughs> okay, so start yeah. with during the war. It was yeah. not easy. Uh, so during the war, my parents had to flee South Sudan because it was like a, a civil war that happened. Um, and then my parents had to flee the country to find a place of refuge. They didn't actually know where they were going. They were just going through the bush uh, to flee like a, a 200 mile walking every day. And um, I remember my father had to take a different road. 
and then my mother had to take a different road with, uh, with my sibling. So that because um, during that time, when a woman is, uh, is, is, is fleeing at the same time with a husband and they find them on the way, they will, they will, they will kill all of them or, the, or they will kill the husband. So my father had to like take a different road. And then my, my, my mother had to like take, uh, take care of the children. And that's how I lost two of my uh, sisters on the way. Two of them died in, en route and you, your mother was pregnant and with you? And my mother was pregnant with me. And, um, and how many people were <coughs> traveling with her? There's a lot of people. There, there were actually more than like maybe 300,000 people. There was a lot of people. That, that uh, were yeah. all fleeing uh, at the yeah, same fleeing time? Fleeing at the same time, the same community, the bold mm-hmm. community. There was massacre. There was like, it was, it, was, it was not easy. And for them, they were just crossing like in the bush. They're like going through ambush, going through, there's no water, just drinking, you know, bad water, like, you know, uh, contaminated water like uh, it, it, like going through the grass like you know going through the like the river it was not easy for them and there was no food I remember like um, my mom told me like even the day she was giving birth like um, she didn't even know like uh, she didn't even eat no food and in the evening like uh, she gave birth to me and like it, it was not easy it was like the the worst moment, like maybe in her life, because um, there was even nobody that was taking care less, and the child was born. There was like, like it was outside, like in the bush, and and so on. And what what really kept her a lot was um, she was not like like the only woman. Like actually, even get bath on the way. There's a lot of women. There was uh, there was and 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 she told me like even some women like threw out their children because they don't want them to suffer and and so on. And she was like I. When I was born, like I, I was so strong, and uh, she was like, "I'm, I'm not gonna do anything to him. I'm not gonna throw him. I'm going just to keep him because um, maybe it's a gift to me." And it, it was not easy. Like, you know, being a refugee, sometimes people think like it's, it's, it's something like where you just wake up in the morning and leave what you love. It's, 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 it's a hell of a journey. It's, it's a journey that, uh, it's, it's a journey of death and life. It's a journey of like you're traumatized, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know where you're going, you don't know what to eat, you don't know, like, you, you, you just count your days. And um, until they, they reached that place, actually I was born, and then they moved to the refugee camp, and that's where they got some uh, humanitarian assistance. Um, and where was the yeah. refugee camp that they settled in? Uh, it was called uh, Mongali. In what country? Uh, in, uh, in northern Uganda. And did your father meet up with your <coughs> then, mother? Yeah, my father met up there. And then um, my father met up there, and then the, 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 the UN helped them, give them some tents, and like start a family there. Then they start like, you know, uh, living there and become part of their life, yeah. How large was that refugee camp? It was really big. Uh, so it was, it was a big community. I would say like it's, uh, I really don't know exactly how many people, but it's, it, it's a big community. It's really big. What are your earliest memories of the refugee camp? Uh, my earliest memories, um, to me, I would say like maybe when I was seven, uh, because when I was born on the way, I I was so weak, I couldn't really remember anything. I, I was like, even at the age of five, I didn't know I was living. It was like, there was no food as a child. There was no, like, it, it was so hard. And some of the memories I remember was um, struggling to get food, struggling to, uh, like, to find something to play with us as, as children, and uh, and um, like food was the biggest issue. Like um, I remember, like we would wake up in the morning around 8 a.m. 
go to the bush so that we can go and get some uh, so that we can go and get some uh, some fruits to eat and you like you go to the river there was a river near where you can go and fish and get some fish in the water and just struggling to get something to eat so he's struggling to find something to survive and um, and it, it was really dangerous there was a bit like you can go to the bush and there's a lot of wild animals there there are lipo there's like you go to the river there's like there's like um, crocodile and they were like really dangerous thing and as as children we, we couldn't care because we, we really wanted to like find something to eat because that is how we can survive when you come back home you only have one meal in a day and it's not enough so you wake up in the morning and go back I remember the, the worst memory I ever had was when I went and my friend uh, to the bush to go and find some mango fruits and um, I, I, I climbed the mango tree and and then my friend climbed as well then I went and, and, and I got my mango tree and then when I got my mango tree I, I came down and my friend was still up and I he went and he fall from from a mango tree and the heat was his head on, on the stone and he died on the spot and that's like the worst memory I can ever have as a child because just we wanted food to eat and that food like end up you know killing my 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 friend and I came back home and I told people and you know how what happened the next day I went back on the same mango tree to go and get fruit because I have nothing I, I don't have any other option and even if I see yesterday was like the worst day I still went back so a refugee camp is it's 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 more than what people think it's 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 it's, it's not fun it's not it's it's not nobody deserves to be there but <clears throat> for people that have left their country they deserve to be there because it it when I was in a refugee camp it was my great moment because when you look at me and my in a refugee camp I was happy every day because that's all I had that's all I can be contented with that's all I can that's 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 the only life that I know there's no any other life that I know more than that was, with, was there schooling <coughs> for children there was schooling there, there was school they were like you know where they teach you like and and and, and mother teachers are not well trained some of them speak dinkers some of them don't speak english so it's like even for us we even have no inspiration to go to school because what are you going to do when you go to school and uh, there's uh, there's there's no way they're going to teach you because it's not a well it's, it's not a good school actually yeah so tell me the story of how a computer came into your life yeah <laughs> yeah i remember like even if I, when i was actually in a refugee camp I was so creative more than anything, and uh, that's that's one of the things like um, helped me a lot. And uh, I would do anything that anything creative, and people in the refugee camp would like it. And even like uh, I remember, I would um, I would use batteries, use battery from a torch in, in in a torch, and I would connect the whole com- at least ten houses with a flashlight, and uh, and people love it. I was so creative a lot. And where and, do you think that creativity came from? Uh, maybe from my mother. Uh, yeah, my mother was also like um, so creative, and uh, but again, when when you are living in 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 a lot of situation, it forces you to be so creative. Sometimes it it happened, and um, so it, the story of the computer came about. How uh, the story of the computer was uh, when there was a refugee registration. People were like uh, registering, like a verification. Like then during that time. The same people, maybe from Kampala or from uh, the United Nations, and they were having computers, 
and when we're in the line, I saw someone was using a laptop, and I was like, I told my mother, what is that? And they were like, that's a laptop. And I was like, how did you even know it? <laughs> because she had no idea. She has never been to school, and she was like, that's a computer. And I was like, wow, this is good. And I'm, in my heart, I was like, I want to use that one day. Like, I just, I just, that moment I saw it, I just, I felt like I really wanted to use it. And then I kept it with myself. And one day I came to my mother and I was like, I need to buy a computer. How old were you? Um, I think I was, that was 2000, um, 2010. So mm -hmm. I was like maybe uh, 17. Yeah, that's, that's like uh, 2010. And I told her, I told her like I need a computer. And she was like, what are you going to do with a the computer? There's no money, there's no power for you to charge it, there's no, there's, there's, there's nobody who's going to train you with a computer. First of all, like, why are you asking a computer? Like, and, and I just, I just ask what I love. And because she's a mother, she, she was like, yes, yeah, fine. Uh, she kept quiet, she did not disappoint me. She did not like say, you know, this is not happening. She just kept quiet. And, uh, and she went to, to work so hard for like three years uh, looking for $300 to buy for me a computer. And she didn't even tell me, hey, well, I'm going to work and I will buy you a computer. She, she was, surprised you? Yeah, she surprised me, doing it silently. Mm -hmm. Even the day she came and told me, hey, well, I need a computer, it's a day actually, like, changed. Uh, the day I, she brought the money and said, hey, well, this is the money for you to go and buy a computer is actually the day that changed my life. Because I I thought, like, how, how did you get the money? And uh, And... And again, I was like, if I don't use it, because then from there I now came to sense, like, there's no power, there's nobody going to trade me, so what am I going to do with it? And to me, like, I also asked myself, if I don't utilize it, and then I have my two brothers, one day my, my, my two brothers are going to ask my mother for something special in their life, and she'll be like, even Luan asked me for a computer and he never used it. So, like, it's... It's like what I'm do, going to do is going to affect my brothers. So it, it was a moment that was a battling moment for me to see like what can I do with this. <clears throat> and then, yeah. So how did you overcome the problems yeah, of not having power? Yeah, so and, then, and then from there I was like, if my mother can walk 250 miles to, to, to save us, how about me? If she can walk for three years looking for $300, how about me? I can still do it. And then uh, from there I did a research and I found out that there's a place where I can charge my laptop. It's like three hours away from, it's, it's, a, it's a center, it's like the UN center, and they have internet cafe there, and it's called Bascom. So I have to like walk three hours, one way, three hours coming back to charge my laptop. And I was like, yeah, I was excited because I found a solution to be able to charge my laptop. So I would walk there every day. Sometime I would, I would go there and I find there's no power, but it's fine. I come back home, charge my laptop, and then, and then I start like um, getting tutorials so that I can be able to learn uh, how to use basic computer programs. Yeah. So how uh, your, your native language is Dinka? Yes, Dinka. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah. computer is mostly English. English. Yeah. How did you teach yourself English in order to learn how to use the computer? Yeah. So I had to like learn like um, get tutorial online, learn some English basic, and uh, it was a it was a big struggle actually. Even like I writing a statement or like writing stuff so I had to like really focus a lot and utilizing knowing English, knowing math and also like using online tutorials so that I can be able to read and also practice them. And so, when was the <coughs> first time that you encountered on that computer a video game? Uh, that was 2016 actually. Uh, so 
I went to an internet cafe, the same internet cafe, <laughs> and then my friend installed for me a video game called Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. A very violent <laughs> game. Yeah, yes. So, Grand Theft Auto. So, so I came back home and I found the icon on my, on my laptop. And I was like, what is this? This is something new. I never had it when I was back. And then I click on it, and then it opened. Pooh. And I was like, wow, what is this? And then I went to see how to play the game. I got a tutorial on how to play the game. And then I started training myself how to play the game. And I was like, I never thought, like, even video games are made by people. I thought they just fall from heaven, like something like that. Because, like, I didn't know anything about the industry. So when I played the game, that's when I got the inspiration to actually make video game yeah so you played the game and then you said I can do this I played the game after playing Grand Theft Auto I was like wow like because as someone who has been through war as someone who has been from South Sudan because my country is a country that has over 73% of the population is under the age of 30 these are all young people that were born in war and they were raised up in war. So our mindset, even in a refugee camp, is still solving things about war. So when I was playing Grand Theft Auto, I was like, how about if these young people from South Sudan start playing this video game? Not because it's too violent, but because like in the video game, it's the same thing happening in my country, like killing people and all those stuff. And they will feel like this is how things are done. And I was like, how about creating a video game for peace and conflict resolution? as a way, because to me, I believe that true peace is something that is built over time. And, 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 and it's change of mind. It, it, we should make peace as a product, something that interacts with people. It's not just coming together and signing a ceasefire. But Luol, where did all of those ideas come from? <sighs> That's a good question. I just, I was, <sighs> yeah, it's, I even asked myself today, how did that happen? I mean, like, I just I was just battling with all this. I was just Did your mother have conversations with you about it? Did your teachers or was this all self generated? It was it was just so um I I thought about all this. It was just even my mother didn't know what I was doing. She didn't even know what video game uh she didn't even know anything. Like I, I was just there like making sure I can do what I can as a human being, uh, as a and one thing um one thing people don't understand is that wherever we are, we always have a human talent. And that human talent, it doesn't matter even if you're under the ground, even if you're in, in the poorest country in the world, even if from the poorest community or like if you are like going through difficulties, there's that human talent that always puts you to do things. And, and, and that allows us not to give up. And that's what I always uh, think about today, is that for someone to see my talent and see and invest in me, there was nobody from like the the best country in the world. It was someone who were in the same household, and it was my mother. Your mother. She saw it. She invested in me. It wasn't someone who just fall from somewhere who from anything. It was somebody. And sometimes our help is we can come from within. And, 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 and that really, really helped me a lot. My, my mom has generated like a big inspiration for me and she has really taught me so much. And to be able to like create a video game right now and, 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 and realizing that games are really a very powerful tool uh, that we can be able to change the world and where we are today. Today I tell her like, I make video games. Well, okay, go for it. I mean like, which is really good. And 
This is, though, 2016, only three short years ago when you first saw this game. So walk me through what happened. How did you teach yourself to make a video game? Yes. And what happened next? So so when I started, when I had the inspiration of like, hey, I want to make game for peace uh, or I want to make game for social impact and for the refugees, first of all, I was like, the first game I'm going to make is just to help the refugees come together and play games so that they can have a, some sort of entertainment. My main focus was not like I'm going to create a game for like youth community. Mine was to help children in a refugee camp so that they can play, so that they can have something, they can smile. So I made a video game, the same, the same name, Salam, which was actually less than 10 MBs, a very small game. And with that, I had to like train myself graphic design, I like, you know, create my own characters, do my own sound, you know, go on learn tutorials so that I can create the game every day, like programming. I think I've, I've done so many things in my life, but pro- programming was the hardest thing that I've, I've ever tried because there was nobody in the community. Sometimes I would go on my computer and then start programming and I make an error and I would just go throw my computer away. And then after one week, I could come back and I fix it. I even don't know what was the error. So there was there was nobody there to help me. Like this is a problem. This is how you can solve it. So I just have to like keep the consistency and like keep working and like loving what I was doing and train myself. And then after I create the game and I start like giving it to the refugees, and they were so happy. I, I could see smile on their face. I could see like them coming together and play game. I said like, how did you make this game? And you know, and, and some of them were like, I want to make game. You know, all those and 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 that really helped me a lot to be able to push because the refugees were really my biggest source of inspiration. Because whatever I do, they were excited with it, and then I felt like I was doing something great, even if it wasn't like perfect. But they were like, oh, this is great. I we love it, and I I keep on creating. And then one day. Or thinking like, what can I do to be able to like, because the reason why I made the game, which was 10 MBs, it's a small game, because there was no internet, there was no way I can publish the game. So I would use Bluetooth to share to, to share the game, APK, I would use like file sharing Bluetooth to be able to send it to them. Sometimes they don't have um phone, and then I would use my mobile phone for them to share and, and, and play. And then one day I was like, what can I do to distribute this game to more people? And I was like, maybe let me just upload it on my Facebook page, which is like the most craziest thing like nobody has ever done. You cannot upload an APK on a, a Facebook page like a picture. But I just had that inspiration and like let me just upload it. And I upload it and I told people, hey, I made a game and from there like people start sharing it and then uh it went viral and then a lot of video game community people show it and say like how did you make the game? This is nice and then um and then the founder of uh Amaze Johannesburg he was uh, in uh, it was in Berlin, Germany, from Germany, and he reached out to me and he was like, "Oh man, I saw your game. This is amazing. How did you make it? I want to invite you to South Africa." And I was like, "What? Like South Africa? That was my first time actually." Like, we to... have actually oh, okay. a video of that. So okay. you were invited to a conference, in, conference South in South Africa. Africa. We're going to show some video of you doing yeah. an interview in 20, 2016. This yeah, is the yeah, same year. Yeah, the same year. Um, at, at that conference. Yeah. And as we get this ready, this was your first time ever traveling yeah, outside? I was traveling and going on a flight. And like... It's our mandate as uh, a citizen and the youth of South Sudan who have gone to school and studied in other countries in order to import the knowledge that we got from different countries to our own country. As someone who is into technology, I realized that ICT can be very important in peace building. So I started one of my first games, 
it's called salam salam is an arabic word because we um, we use arabic in the country it's arabic word that means peace so uh, i'm really focusing on bringing peace in the country through ict through gaming salam game it's it's a mobile application it's, it's available on android you can play it in any in, in any form so it's a peace it's a peace building game so that was your first venture no, into the saying, international yeah. community. Yes, yes. What, what did that do for your efforts, that uh, recognition? <clears throat> that really helped me to understand what uh, the game community is. And it's really like, it really like, really gave me like exposure to like to the, to the game community. And um, the biggest thing is like most of the support right now I get, I get from uh, from uh, African game designers, they really helped me. When I went back after this, actually, it was like a three days, uh, three days conference. I went back to the refugee camp, and uh, every day you see me on my phone. I'm talking to most of the developers from uh, from South Africa, from Berlin, from San Francisco, and it was because of this opportunity. And they actually sent me more tutorials, and I when I and I sent them back my code, and they could help me. To, to it was really a a biggest change in my life. Yeah. Did you get formal schooling <coughs> along the way? Did you go to college? No, so I did not. All of your t learning has been self-taught. Self-taught most of the time, gaming, like working so hard to like teach myself every day. So, what was your next step then after this conference? After people started helping you, how did you move from there to the next stop on your journey? Uh, my biggest thing was I was just keeping on building the game. I was just keeping on like um, exploring more ideas to be able to see like what uh, what can I be able to achieve? And the biggest thing is that even after this conference, I never had an idea that I would able be able to leave uh, the refugee camp. Mine was just to keep on building because I had no inspiration. And um, and, 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 and with that, uh, I've been in refugee camp for more than 22 years. And uh, my family have been there for more than 25 years. And uh, a lot of people think that a refugee camp is a temporary place. It's not. It's a permanent place. It's it's a uh, it's a place where like it's like it's not temporary. It's not it's not where you go tomorrow and then <clears throat> I'm gonna take a break. <laughs> okay. But I will repeat it again. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so after the conference, it, it really helped me a lot to be able to connect with uh, with more developers and more designers and and actually giving me the guideline of, of the game community and what I can be able to do next and actually helping me exactly um, how to scale my, 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 my game and also how to scale my business and also see what can I do more than what I had already. And, and, and that helped me a lot. How, how did you think of yeah. it as, uh, beyond being a game to being mm. a business at that point? Where were you getting, what were the people that were mentoring you, helping you to think about more broadly? Uh, from that, like, uh, exactly one of the things was, uh, as a business, I knew that I would be able to, like, really expand it and create something in a, in a, in a refugee camp. But you had no experience with I business. No, yeah, I have no experience. <laughs> like, again, like, I... And in a refugee camp, like, people do, like, small businesses, like, you know, sell fish, sell, like, crops and all those stuff. But, like, through that experience, it helped me to really learn, like, how can I sell my product? How can I be able to, like, make my own product, maybe make a T-shirt and all those stuff to be able to sell? So that helped me to see, like, how can I be able to make this game as a, as a platform that can be able to just not only me 
but bring more people. But like again, it took me a long time just to like register it as a as a business. But I was like the only person working on it because I had no funding. I had no I had no like money to be able to like bring people and work on this. But like my main idea was to like comprise it and make it sure like it, it's a business because opportunities come anytime. And because of that, as I mentioned before, like I've been in refugee camp for like 22 years. The same thing with my family, and we have applied. To, for resettlement because there's a refugee resettlement uh, that refugees are resettled from uh, uh, from uh, from uh, from Uganda to Australia to Canada there's that refugee resettlement my family we have applied for more than 10 times in, in, in 20 years to all different countries to all different countries and were rejected they, they, they didn't allow us to go and I will see how large was your family at that point you, your we mother, have, your we father were five. We were five. five yeah mm-hmm. five and and were rejected and uh, and with, with no idea. So with that all experiences, I knew maybe I was just meant to live in a refugee camp and I could see my neighbors leaving every day, going to Canada, my neighbors going to to, to Australia, and I never gave up. I was like, it's fine, let's let them go and live their you know, better life. But again, I was contented. I was like, maybe there's, maybe there's a problem or there's, I'm not lucky and everything. So that helped me like, oh, this is my permanent home, so I'm just going to utilize everything here because that's how my life is going to be. Even if when, I, when I went to South Africa, I stayed because it's in Africa, and I, was, I went there for three days and came back. And then from there, I just was like, I want to do this and, and, help, and help the refugees and make maybe start a hub where I can train refugees. That was my main focus. And then I was like, I want to keep on building and building and building. And I remember... <clears throat> The biggest time I wanted to give up in life it was like there's a lot of time, but there's there was like the biggest time I almost like in a refugee camp that was like 2017, when I was invited to to San Francisco, uh, like the biggest video game uh, convention in the world. It bring over 30,000 people. It's called the Game Developers Conference. They reach out to me and they say, we want you to come and to come to the state to San Francisco and give a talk. And I was like, got the email. I was like, wow! Like, finally, I'm going to the U.S. Like, this is a country I dream of coming to. And you know what happened the next day? There was a refugee travel ban, which affected Sudan. And I was like, and we are South Sudan. We are not part of it. But most people could not differentiate between South Sudan. And that time, I was like, wow! Like, maybe everything happened, and then this happened, and I came back home, and threw down my computer, I was annoyed, I was crying, and my mother saw me and she was like, what's going on? And I was like, this is what happened. And uh, and I got the biggest opportunity in my life to be able to connect with more game designers and, 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 and learn more about the game industry. And for me to speak over like 30,000 people and like this is the best industry in the world. And because of what I did, that's why I was invited, threw down my computer and I was crying. And I said, no, I'm not going to do anything because nothing would ever come out good with, from what I did because this is, this is a talent. This is something I want to share with the world. And this, all these things happened. And I also remember the days we used to apply for the settlement in refugee camp and couldn't happen. It was like the 11th time for me to be rejected in uh, 2017. And, and I was like, I'm not going to do anything again. I'm just, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to do anything. And my mother looked at me in the face. And she was like, let me tell you something, Luol. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, do you know you cannot steal water from an ocean? And I was like, what do you mean you cannot steal water from an ocean? 
can you explain it to me? She was like, yeah, if you go to an ocean and get a basket and then withdraw water, no matter how much you withdraw from an ocean, it keeps overflowing. And that's how you are. There's a lot of opportunities that are coming in your life. It may not be today. It's going to be in the next 10 years. Never give up. You're like, there's a lot of opportunities. You, you are alive. Nobody knew you were going to be alive. So never give up. Pick up your computer. And that moment really restored my hope. So how were. did you get to the United States? Uh, then from there, I kept, I kept on walking. And then, I, and then from there, I, there was a, something called Peace Tech Accelerator. It was like, um, it was a program here in Washington, D.C., that, uh, that bring only five companies in the world that are using technology for social good, and, and I was selected for that. Is and that I, run by the U.S. Institute of Peace? Yes. We have some more video to show because yes. <laughs> they did a story about you when yeah. you came for that. Let's Thank watch. You. The idea for Janoub Games started in South Sudan's capital, Juba, but it was here at the U.S. Institute of Peace where Mayen was able to receive guidance from the Peace Tech Accelerator program earlier this year. Janoub Games has already been distributed in Yamazi and Rhino refugee camps in Uganda with plans for distribution in more refugee camps in northern Uganda as well as IDP sites across South Sudan. But Mayen says he wants to expand Janoub Games to other parts of the world. You know, the conflict is everywhere in the world. So I have to make sure that I'm keeping my mind that these games are not only for South Sudanese. Oh, they are not only made for South Sudanese. I will contact They're made like you, you know, to benefit everybody. You look pretty sharp. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. you had to get it for this, this conference in Washington. Yes. Huh? Um, so <clears throat> people should know the U.S. Institute of Peace yes. is part of the U.S. State Department, oh, right? Wow. Yes, yeah. So what happened uh, with that recognition? What happened next? It really helped me really understand, like, the business part of it and how we can use um, a startup to be able to, like, um, uh, use technology for peace building and actually help me to understand more about peace building and, and conflict resolution and also, like, getting to sit down with expert in the conflict in the conflict resolution area and actually that's actually helped me to connect with the universities so that they can give me guidelines and also understand what conflict is so that I because my main focus is the practical part of it so I want to need the theoretical part of uh, conflict resolution so that I can be able to like put them into pra- into practice yeah so how did you get here permanently so from there I started uh, working I, I I went back to the refugee camp actually after this and then from there, I got a, um, a G4 visa from, uh, from the World Bank. I became uh, a consultant for them. The World Bank made you a consultant. Yeah. What does a G visa allow you to do? Uh, it, it, uh, it, um, it's a program that really helps you. To, uh, it, it's like a diplomat. It's like, um, it's, like a, it's like a green card. But it, it really is more it make you to, like, stay here for, like, 10 years and so on. Yeah. And why did you decide to settle in Washington, D.C.? Because uh, first of all, I uh, it's there's a diversity in uh, in uh, in Washington D.C. There's a lot of people here. There's a lot of organization here. There's a lot of uh, because my focus is also like to see the other part of like um, the, the 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 social impact part of um, most of the what organization are doing, so that I can be able to react and also learn and also like. Um, but like as long with business, I can always go to San Francisco with with uh, with uh, thing to do with like a video game. But like uh, the good thing, it it I feel like home. Like this is feel like home to me. It's not like it's not too much. It's not huge. It's not uh, like, like like New York. But like I 
I love it because it if it really like the communities are really great here, and uh, there's also diversity. So I feel like it's it's a great place to live. Yeah. Another big recognition came in 2018. Yes. Facebook has a conference, the, the gaming conference, yeah. and they recognized you as a global gaming citizen. citizen. Let's yes. watch a little bit of that. Yeah. Now, tonight, the Game Awards and Facebook Gaming are recognizing global gaming citizens, people who are enriching the lives of others around the world through video games. We're going to tell some stories tonight of three people that I think you should meet and hear their stories, and I'm so proud to have these in the Game Awards. First up, please take a look. At his story. You know, being in a refugee camp is, is not easy. You know, what is next? What, what are you going to leave tomorrow? Are you not going to leave tomorrow? One day I asked my mom to buy for me a computer. She saved that money for almost three years. It was like that moment that just turned everything, like everything is possible for me. 26 million people yeah. watched that event on Facebook. What happened to you after that? Uh, it really helped me a lot. Um, <clears throat> this is actually the, the main, the more the main. I the recognition really helped me like to to get into the game industry and also like connect with really great people in the game industry, especially people that are running successful video game, like um, especially like uh, Santa Monica Studio. I one of my my, my, my best industry friend right now that we are collaborating together and they made a video game called God of War, like one of the best video game of all time. And, and that really helped me really to, to share my ideas and also like see what the next 10 years is gonna be for me and connecting me with businesses like, and, uh, and like scaling myself and also like making sure that the game for social good have a space in the video game industry. This is a moment that really put us in the mouth of the of the video game industry. You formed a company called Janoob Games. Yes, what yes. does that mean? Uh, so Janoob is an Arabic word, mean people of the south. So Janoob is like Janoobin is like South Sudanese. So and it's, it's like, based here in Washington. In Washington, and Washington do you have employees? Uh, so right now we have uh, we have people that are working on the game, and we are everywhere. Like here in DC, we are in San Francisco, and we also like have two people in Brazil. And how are you getting your funding? Uh, so right now it's more like, more like a lot of things are like more self-funding, but we also like have um, uh, people that are really supporting us from uh, like, we have a friend from uh, who play NBA that is really supporting us to, uh, to like uh, keep, so that we can finish the game, yeah. You want to say his name because he's been very important. Uh, he's very important, uh, Luol Deng. Luol Deng has been an amazing person. The Timberwolves. Timberwolves, uh, I play for um, La Galaxy, um, the LA, the, uh, the LA um, then he played for the Miami Heat, and he played for the Bulls. That's and like, he's South Sudanese as well? And he's, uh, he's a British uh, South Sudanese, yeah. So you connected through your heritage. Yeah. So where are, <clears throat> is your family now? So, yeah, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, right now, my family is in Canada. Uh, my family moved to Canada two, four months ago from a refugee camp. And, and, how, and how did that finally happen? Uh, that happened because uh, when I came here, my biggest, my biggest focus was, like, what is next? Uh, what can I do to help my family? What can I do to help my, my mother? And, um, and I, I work so hard so that I can work hand in hand with the, the Canadian government to help them uh, take them to, to Canada. And it was really a very good process that, um, that finally happened. And they were like, yeah, you're doing great things, so we can help you, yeah. So tell me about um, your goal for them. Do you hope to get them to the United States at some point? 
Uh, my goal for them, uh, right now, they are like, first of all, I was calling, um, having a conversation with my mother, actually, um, and and the first time she called me, she was like, thank you. And that moment changed my life uh, when she went to Canada, because I never thought my mother would ever tell me thank you, because um, what she has done to me is more than what I would ever going to do for her. And that thank you was really amazing. And um, and the first thing she was telling me was like, "And hey, what? We have a lot of food here. I don't know how can I <laughs> how can I get it back because she has maybe some relative that are suffering back there." And I was like, "That's how life is. Eat what you have." And <laughs> because like she was like, "Oh, there's a lot of food here in Canada. We can eat now." And I was like, yeah, "That's how life is. You can have and you cannot have." And uh, <clears throat> my two brothers right now, my sisters, are really doing well. They go to school now in Canada. So, and they have a better opportunities than me right now. My younger brother is playing soccer now, like really professional, and um, some part in Canada. And um, the plan for them, their plan for, for me is just for my brothers to follow the right path in life. That's, that's, my, that's my main focus and see what that means to them. Yeah. So um, we've got about 10 minutes. Okay, it's a big story, <laughs> and I want to do some kind of wrap-up questions mm, with yeah. you. So... First of all, so much has happened to you in, in such a short time. You're 25 years old, yeah. and the arc of your life yeah. from refugee camp to living yeah. in Washington, D.C., yeah. and having connections all over the world, yeah. uh, having, developing this game, having yeah. the uh, Washington Post and yeah. CBS News do yeah. stories about you. How yeah. are you processing all of this? Uh, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's, uh, it's really hard to process because it's, it's never been something that I ever dream of. Uh, but again... I've, it gave me so much hope that people, there's a lot of, and millions of Luan outside there. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of refugees. And this really helped me to to be able to like, comprise everything, compress everything and make sure like, things like this happen. And also like, just go with the flow and also like, making sure this is, this is an example for me to show to the refugees that we cannot only survive, but we can thrive. So something like this, is, is, it, it gave me like an example of, uh, of uh, to be a voice for the refugees and, and, and also tell people like, uh, oh, we can, we can be entrepreneurs, we can employ people, we can uh, make businesses, we can do anything that we wish to do as refugees. So, and to me, with that kind of press or with that kind of uh, recognition that I'm getting right now, I'm, I'm like, what can I do to give back? And one of the things that I'm doing right now, and I'm beginning in January, is uh, start um, a program in a refugee camp to, to train refugees, over four, 400 refugees to become developers. And that's something I've been working on. And I am so happy that I'm collaborating with a lot of big companies to be able to give them resources. And we are beginning that, that project in the end of January. So that's something I'm really excited about and something that I can be able to give back so that we can have more refugees that can be entrepreneurs and developers, yeah. Can you go back to South Sudan? What's the political situation like there? Uh, South Sudan uh, is, is crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you can go back, the thing will come, but like, it, it, it's, it's, it's a personal decision where you can say, I, I got to go, and I, if everything is fine, it's okay. If everything is not good, it's like a personal decision, but like, everything is not like really good. You want to be an example for refugees, but yeah. let me flip the coin. What There's so many refugee uh, displaced populations all over the world yes. right now. Yeah. What do you want 
people to know about refugees? What should we know as we're all having these challenges in countries with large populations coming in? What's the message you want to give to them about that? The message I need to give to them is that uh, as a refugee by myself, the moment I became a refugee, the moment I settled in northern Uganda, was like a moment that I became, I had the peace of mind, right? But the most important thing I want people to understand is the journey, what it has taken somebody to become a refugee. If you understand the root of that, then it will help you that you can be part to change the world. We can do everything to be able to make refugees' communities better, yeah. So the journey is very important. And uh, about your mother, you talked yeah. about how important that thank yeah. you was. How is she processing everything that's happened to you? Um, yeah, she says she's, she's happy. She's, uh, uh, she, she's having a better life right now. And she, that's, that's, that's all she That's all she won. And at the end of the day, she really don't understand whatever I'm doing because she's not educated. Sometimes I would just tell her, hey, I'm doing something, but I understand that. At the end of the day, She's she's very happy of what is going on, and she's very happy that I, uh, what she worked for, has actually helped the family, and and also the world as well. Yeah. So if we check in with you in five years, <coughs> ten years yeah. from now, yeah. are we going to see a world recognized video game developer, or are we going to see a world recognized um, spokesperson for uh, the? plight of displaced people, where, where do you want this to go? Is the games a means to an end, or are they the end? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, you're going to see me, like, Genome Game is going to be a, a great company. It's going to be a big company in the next five, ten years. That's, that's my dream. And there's some other parts I'm going to take in life. Uh, there's some other parts like entertainment, maybe the film ministry, maybe <laughs> uh, to be able to make sure, like, um, we again, like as as a refugee, as I as I go, I will never stop talking about refugees because it's my life. No matter where I go, I will always remind people who the refugees are because it's a crisis that goes every day. And I'm not somebody who who, who someone say, "Hey, come and talk about refugees." It's part of me. It's part of my life. And um, the video game industry is what I'm going to stick with. I and uh, and and make the 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 social good uh, community make more games in terms of business in terms of uh, impact in terms of uh, this back to my, my game making sure we help millions of people through my game uh, with uh, in our purchases do you hope someday to be a US citizen that's a good question yes I wish <laughs> and why is that important to you uh, this is a great country this is a great country that uh, a lot of people dream of, of living in it's, it's, an, it's an amazing country there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of uh, diversity. There's a lot of um, it's uh, it's it's a great it's a great country. What do you want people to know about your experience with immigration? Since we're having a big debate about it, uh, uh, you tried one time and couldn't get through because yeah. of the program. You're mm-hmm. here now. So what should we know about how the system works from from your perspective? Uh, I'm pretty sure, like um, it's something I really I feel like we could do better because we really don't understand what people go through and what people want and why people want to come to this country. So I feel like, you know, I think we can do better. We can, you know, we can look into the humanity of people and, and see how we can help them. 
It well, makes sense. <laughs> I w would be delighted to be able to check in with you in five years and see how your dreams and aspirations yeah, work thank out. Thank you. Thank you for thank, thank you for having me. Thank you for spending an hour with C-SPAN. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to C-SPAN's Q&A. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, please take a minute to rate and review us. You can also send us an email at podcasts at c-span.org with your questions, comments, or ideas. Your feedback is welcome.